Love it, man. So I am here today with Travis Stevens, who uh, doesn't know me, and, and I don't know him. The way the way this happened, I ran across you on a like a church resource website. I'm scrolling through. I'm was in the middle of like knocking on doors and trying to make contacts with like I'm making cold calls and emails. Literally ran across your name, pulled up your website, and I was like, all right, this this guy is a uh, a church guy in Tennessee, and there's a contact, so I'm going to email him, and I said, hey, Travis, you don't know me, but I would love to have a uh, just a podcast session with you, and invited you on, and you said, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, why not? Love it, man. Thanks for, thanks for jumping on with us today. So you are uh, an expert in everything. What I've seen from you so far, uh, looking on your site, is you are an expert in like small town church and like, like how do we do that and do that well? I mean, do you want to unpack that a little bit before we get going? Yeah, I don't know if expert's the right word to use, um, but I, I'm an executive pastor of a small town church that's had quite a bit of success. Uh, and so several years ago, um, I, I was going to all the big church conferences and, and reading all the blogs from these mega church pastors and stuff. And I thought, you know what, there's really uh, nobody who's reaching out, no one who's speaking to uh, churches in smaller towns and rural areas. And I thought, you know what, it would be cool if uh, there was resources available for uh, those pastors. And I thought, well, maybe I know a thing or two, or at least uh, we can learn from each other and get the, you know, get kind of the conversation started and try to build something for small town rural pastors. And so I started blogging uh, like three or four years ago and I made some really cool connections, really cool networks. And now I think, uh, you know, small town church, small town, like it's kind of becoming to the forefront and, and becoming I don't know, uh, cool or relevant or whatever. I think people are starting to talk about it more, which which I'm happy about. Love it. Now, are you from a small town? Yeah. So, yeah, really boring story. Like I've basically <laughs> lived my entire life. I'll, I'll be 39 in December. Uh, I've lived my entire life uh, within basically a five mile radius. Um, so I try to I try to vacation. I try to travel to get out a little bit more. Right. Uh, but the majority of my life has been spent in the same little town. Wow, that's uh, that's legit, man. My my family is actually from a really small town in like West Texas. Yeah. And I then moved to the Dallas area, and I've been here for twenty years. And so, like, I grew <laughs> up the first eighteen experiencing like like one street, one stoplight type town. And, uh, and then, and then when I came to Dallas, I mean, I grew up in Amarillo, which was a little bit bigger, but at the same time I had family that was 30 minutes outside of town and we spent a ton of time out there. Um, and so have a, like, I have a deep love and appreciation for the small town. And at the same time, I, like I married a big city girl and, and so we're here and, uh, anyways, but I, man, I loved, uh, just as I started to look at your stuff and begin to read some things and just this clear love and desire for God to move in small towns and to do church really well there. And mm -hmm. it, and it not just be like that man, like my grandparents, like I'd go in the, you know, in the early eighties and hang out at first Baptist, whatever. But the fact that you guys are bringing excellence to not like we're doing it really well and we're doing it really well in diving in and loving doing it in the small town. So well done. And, um, and man, I love it. So it's it's so cool. I'm going to be 39 in November, so I am a month ahead of you. Yeah. As we begin to enter the last year of our 30s. Yeah, very sad. Very sad. Are, does that does that scare you at all, or like how do you feel about that? 
Uh, yeah. I don't know if it scares <laughs> me. Like, I, um, I don't think it scares me, but there's this realization, like, when you were 35, you could be like, hey, I'm mid-30s, and I'm still kind right. of cool and relevant. I could still think of myself as young. Right. I think, and maybe I just, you know, changed my thought process, but I think 39, especially when you hit 40, you're kind of not young anymore. Right. Um, and, and so that bums me out a little bit. Yeah, that it really does. Okay. Well, that I I feel the same. I feel the same way of that man. I've, like we've always been young because that's all we've ever been. Yeah. And now it's now it's the transition of okay, how do how do we become the old guy at the table, and <laughs> and want to listen to the guy that is young. Right. Uh, yeah. So love it. Well, hey. So here's the the three questions that I'm throwing out right now to pastors, guys like yourself in a similar position is, uh, I want to talk about your take on the temperature of the culture the current state of the church, and then like, what should we do about that? And then clearly for your context, it's, it, I, I want to hear some more just about like, here's what we're seeing in the small town and then what we're doing about it. So first question to throw up for you to swing at is just like temperature of the culture. What is going on that you see? Uh, yeah, I, I think, and again, Hey, I, I'm, I'm, I've grown up in the same small town, so my idea on culture and stuff may be very limited. But from conversations I'm having and just from what I'm seeing within my church and stuff is um, I think the culture is most of us go about our lives at 100 miles per hour. And and we filled our lives with um, all sorts of things, Uh, not not necessarily bad things. in most cases, but we just, our lives are just so busy, so hectic. And I think one of those things that has gotten um, kind of pushed to the side, or it's not as big of a priority as it used to, even in small town, even in the Bible Belt where I'm from, is this idea of a relationship with Jesus Christ and a relationship with the church. And so uh, when people are kind of making decisions on um, how I'm going to spend my time, I think more so now than ever, uh, the church is losing that battle. People are spending their time elsewhere. And so um, that worries me. Um, and so that's kind of how I'm seeing it. Um, but yeah. Um, what what are people doing instead of in a smaller setting? I mean, is it, it clearly it's probably very similar, but like what, what have y'all seen as far as like and here's the thing that draws people away, or here are the top three things that have been a consistent theme when I go like I haven't seen Jim in three months. Where's he been? Like what what is the answer to that for y'all? Well, I think it's yeah, it's a few things. Um sports is big. Sports is big everywhere. Um kids are playing sports at, you know, travel league ball and stuff at younger ages. Now it's like, you know, we get our kids are in elementary school, but we got to get them in travel league ball so that they have a chance to make the middle school team or the high school team. So eventually they can turn pro and all these things. And so that's, that's a piece of it. Um, I think people are just traveling more for uh, just vacations and just kind of getaways and stuff. Um, but I think the biggest piece of it is just, there's a, there's kind of this, um, lackadaisical attitude of, you know what, it's not a big deal if I miss church. Um, I've been busy this week, and so it's Sunday, and I don't normally get to sleep in during the week, and so I'm going to sleep in on Sunday. Uh, I think that's maybe the biggest thing that we've seen is that 
um, especially in the Bible Belt again in the South, people used to feel guilty about not showing up to church on Sunday mornings, whether that was good or bad or whatever. But like right. that, that guilt no longer exists. No one thinks twice about missing church anymore. Like they don't think it's a big deal at all. Uh, and so, yeah, as a pastor and as somebody who's trying to get people to show up to church and trying to get people in this relationship with Jesus, um, yeah, it can be really, really frustrating. What do you think has caused? Yeah, and I know I'm kind of like dancing around the same question. No, um, but just that, like, the idea of the apathy, or yeah. now, now there's a lack of value that's yeah. placed on my time. Like, going, my time is more valuable sleeping in for the hour and a half right. as opposed to like what happens inside the walls isn't valuable enough to make me get up, get dressed, get ready, get the kids there and be in the room. Yeah. Every week. What shifted? Yes. And this is disappointing to say, but I think for years and years and years, um, the church for the most part hasn't been talking about real issues. They haven't been answering the questions that actually people have. Um, we're not talking about uh, marriage, mar marital issues, uh, divorces, uh, things dealing with sex, uh, tough topics, addictions. Um, we're not talking about these things in a way that bring life to people or even we're not even talking about them to begin with. And we're so concentrated on um, explaining these biblical terms or things that Maybe they mean a lot to us or, or we see them as important. But for somebody who's new to church, coming back to church, who doesn't have much of a relationship with Jesus at all, um, those are not the questions they're asking. They, they, you know, they don't care about different versions of the Bible and all these different things, at least not initially. Um, you know, they care about, like, how can I love my wife more and how can I parent my kids better? And, um, you know, how can I find purpose in life? And I think for years and years and years, the church kind of skated by by not talking about those things. And they kind of got used to it because people would just show up to church naturally. And I think all that has caught up to them now. And so now, very, very quickly in the last few years, uh, probably last 10 years, I guess, um, that's no longer the case. And so they're like, you know what? The church doesn't really have anything to say to me. And I may show up on a Sunday morning and hear a pastor talk about something that doesn't even apply to me. And so why do I waste my time doing that? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm afraid that's where a lot of people have landed is that it's like, you know, what? it's really not worth my time anymore. Yeah. Uh, how you mentioned as you talk through that, just saying like we're not answering the questions that people are asking, mm -hmm. which I totally agree. It's like you, you listed it like marriage, sex, divorce, addictions, like those are huge hot topics mm -hmm. that like, if, if you write a blog and you title something, something sex you're gonna have a you're gonna have a ton of hits on it. Why? Because it's a, it is a cultural topic today. But period. If you hit a parenting one, like how do I parent a teenage daughter? Yeah. It's it's gonna be like I I did one a couple weeks ago. I wrote a blog. My wife had left town. Was in New York and uh, for work. And I, I and I just sat down one day and and did like a little journal session. Like I got eight days as a single dad. Mm -hmm. I, I I have invested literally months in like writing projects about the church that are like, yeah, it's okay. Like it's good, but it doesn't have a lot of traction. I wrote that in an hour and a half, dropped it and it exploded uh, <laughs> just because it was about parenting. And so that what you hit a second ago, that idea of like, we're not talking about what they're talking about mm -hmm. and, and then tying it to scripture and going like, we can talk about 
divorce and we can talk about sex and we can talk about addictions and we can share the gospel the whole time instead mm-hmm. of, hey, like I'm going to give you an eight session series on dispensationalism, um, <laughs> which people are like, I don't even know what that means. Yeah. Uh, but if you're going to tell me how to have better sex in my marriage, maybe I'm, I'm interested in that. Right. Uh, how do you guys go about finding out like what are people talking about? Um, I, I, and, and I don't know it. For example, uh, there's a guy that I listen to. I'm not sure who you follow podcast wise mm-hmm. or writing or anything. There's a guy, his name is Gary V. He's a, like a big entrepreneurial type guy. Yeah. Um, not a believer dudes from up North. He's actually a, an immigrant, uh, from like, uh, Russia or something. I don't even know. Uh, regardless, his whole thing, like as he talks, he says like the most content I consume is just reading the comments of what people are putting on social media. And he goes like, I, I see themes and then that's what I talk about. Yeah. And uh, in the themes he's seen, he's like, I see a theme of there's an issue with parenting. And so he like as an unbeliever, he is becoming a like major voice in our society about how to parent simply because he's willing to talk about what people are talking about. So mm-hmm. how do you guys go, okay, let's plan the calendar out. What are people asking? How do we answer? How do you get to that? Yeah, I think, well, I think we're kind of all, um, for one, just within our own lives, you know, we try to be honest with where we're at. And it's like, well, these are the topics that like, I want to hear from, like, I want to know how I can parent. I have two right. uh, little girls, other six and nine years old. And so that's my thought is like, how can I parent them? And how can I raise them in a world that where technology is so prevalent and, you know, how much time is too much time to give them on their tablets and the access to YouTube and all these things is like, how is this going to damage them as they become teenagers? And like, that's what I'm thinking about. Um, So like, that's what I want to hear about. Uh, But yeah, through social media a lot, uh, for sure, just through having conversations with people within our church from hearing stories, we have a story after story, I just unfortunately of just people whose marriages are failing um, they're getting divorces. We never saw it coming um, because we haven't been having those conversations. We've also um, people who have addictions. Um, that, that's a big thing within our small town. It's just uh, there's a kind of a drug epidemic that is going on. And so we know that's a big issue. We know a lot of people are dealing with that. We know pretty much everybody, if they're not dealing with it, they know somebody or they have somebody in their family that is dealing with it. Um, we're in a place that's um, not very financially well off. And so it's an impoverished community uh, for the most part. And so, um, so if we can find ways to kind of bring hope within to our community, uh, financial issues are huge. It's trying to just, um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the poverty and stuff that we see in our community is not necessarily because people aren't making a lot of money or making enough money. It's just because they're making really dumb decisions when it comes to finances. Right. Um, and so it's a, just a, a number of things. But I'll tell you what I think what we're guilty of uh, as well, because we certainly don't get it all right all the time, is that I think we sometimes we're kind of get we're like, hey, we've talked about this. We've talked about marriage. We talked about marriage. And sometimes it's like we've talked about it and it seems like no one's listening. It seems like they're not to, you know, following through with what we're telling them to do. And so we can even become um, kind of tired uh, of talking about the same thing because we're like, uh, and so I think sometimes we get tired way, way before it starts to set in with people. And so like, I have to constantly remember that and remind our pastor, 
like, hey, we have to like we have to talk about these things every year, if not multiple times a year, um, because even though we may be tired of doing the same sermons or whatever, um, our people are just now starting to listen. Yeah, kind of that idea of like you've got to like whatever it is you want people to remember, say it enough that they make fun of you for it. Yeah. And now you're talking about it enough. Yeah. And like you just said, like I am tired of saying X and at the same time, like whatever it is that's that important, beat that horse over and over and over and over again because it's that important. Right. And yeah, that's uh, what what do you think is if you're going to go the top three things that we should be talking about with like y'all plan it out with a regular basis, like every year or every every quarter, every season. I don't know how you break down your calendar. What are the three things y'all always talk about? Uh, Marriage for one. uh, Finances, probably the second. And then um, I think there's always and sometimes multiple. There is like a series on hope. hope or purpose something like that those are probably our three biggest and then parenting falls in there really close as well i got you okay um okay so let's shift gears just a little bit which we've i think we're we're already playing there but what do you say current state of the church is if you had one sentence to sum it up current state of the church in america is fill in the blank oh that's that's a tough one in one sentence um current state of the church is um hmm, i don't know if i can sum it up in one sentence but i would say all right take as many as you want yeah but i would say i think the church is kind of awakening to this idea that we are going to have to do something. We are going to have to change or else culture, the world is going to pass us by. Yeah. And so I think that's a good place for us to be. Not every church is there. Certainly I'm in a small town. I can guarantee you not every church is there. The the mass percentage of some of the churches in our town are, Hey, there. It's just a bunch of families that are there, and as long as the families are there, the church is going to be there. But I mean, they're headed to extinction, and right. they don't care what culture is doing. But right. I think the church as a whole is coming to the place where they're like, they're having this aha moment where where they're finally seeing it. Like, oh no, we have to do something at this point. Which, um, and for probably decades and decades, they weren't seeing that they had their eyes basically were closed glazed over whatever it might be might be um so i think that's a really good place for the church um now i don't know if any of us know the answers or what comes next or 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 how we can even um how we can even get ready for what comes next but i think we're all searching for that and i think we're all looking for it and i think there's much more of an awareness now i would say the church is more aware now of their deficiencies um, okay. maybe that they ever have been uh, before. What would you say? Where? You, how long have you been at the church you served at? Uh, yeah, I've been on staff uh, nine years, and then I've been here a total of 13, I think. Okay. So what, the first four years, what were you doing? Uh, yeah, I was kind of whatever they would let me do. One year I was the uh, first year I was like the missions person and I was really terrible at it. And so uh, they fired me from that. 
and then I became mom. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, I, I got into church late in life. I was 20 years old when I gave my life to Christ. And so um, I didn't know what I was good at. Uh, right. Luckily, I had a pastor who kept believing in me and kept letting me make mistakes and let me fail until I, I could find it. out what I was good at. So that was nice. Um, so I did that for a little bit. And then I became like the volunteer coordinator, which I really loved. Like I, I'm a, I have a passion for getting people to serve the church and just serve their communities. And so I loved that. Um, and then I was that until I kind of became this administrative kind of guru um, and then eventually executive pastor. Okay, I got you. What, if you were to go back nine years ago and say we were deficient in this area as a church, what would it be? And then how did you walk through the process of changing it to where it is today? Oh, yeah, we were uh, we were deficient uh, just about everywhere. <laughs> I'll just be honest. Um, just about everywhere. Yeah, I'm, I mean, we started out. We started out as a church doing church just like every other church in our community. It was just, this is all we've grown up with. This is all we've seen. So we'll just do it like they do it. But we're going to do a little bit more contemporary music than most of the churches in our area. Contemporary's relative. You know, it was still, right. still wasn't great. Um, but it's a little bit better. And so we really walked through the process of the biggest thing we did is that we changed our focus from um, – Let's shift our focus from kind of serving and pleasing those who are already a part of the church, and let's shift our focus to those who are not at the church yet, who are outsiders, who are would be our guests, who we want to come into the church. And so how can we reach those people? That was the biggest thing we did. That was the biggest shift we did. That affected everything. So then it was, it was okay, well, uh, if we're trying to reach guests, and we're trying to reach people who've given up on the church or they've given up on God— well, then what do our messages need to look like? Or even how do we dress? You know, maybe we shouldn't wear suits and ties because it makes people feel awkward when they come into the church if if they don't have that type of clothes. Right. And so we shifted even that type of stuff. Um, so it was just this big shift of let's let's move away from, and it's not that we were, not that we were um, like leaving those inside the church behind. It wasn't like we were going to, um, that they were going to miss out on something, but let's shift our focus from, hey, you know what? We think the church is really meant for. We think it's meant for those who are not here yet. And, and so we want our vision, our passion is to reach those people. And so we want you to be on board with that. We want you to be a part of that. So that means that um, sometimes we're going to sing songs that you don't like. Sometimes we're going to preach messages that aren't going to apply to you. Um, sometimes we're going to have messy people show up to our church. And we're going to be okay with that because we believe that's what Jesus would want. And so that was the biggest shift we made, and that influenced everything that we did. How how hard was that shift? Just like the basic things like, hey, we're going to dress different. <laughs> we may sing a little bit different, and you may not like fill in the blank. How, how much of a challenge? Like I've, I've served in a small town church, uh -huh. and it was like we were trying to buy a projector, and I thought the church was going to split you know, over the issue. Yeah. Yeah, what what? What was yeah. the most challenging, or was it? Did they did they embrace it fairly quickly? How did that go? The I would say eighty probably eighty to ninety percent of the church embraced it. Uh, ten percent okay. of the church did not ever had a very hard time with it. That ten percent of the church at that time in the beginning was the majority of our worship team. Uh, okay, but some of our leadership, 
Um, and, and so we kept pushing and pushing till eventually it came to basically a boiling point, which is probably not the best way to do it, but <laughs> that tends to happen. Yep, so it right. basically comes to a boiling point where it's like, hey, this is the direction we're going to go. And they said, well, we're not willing to go this direction. Well, we probably should go opposite directions then. Maybe you guys should go somewhere else. And that's what eventually happened was our worship team basically all quit. Uh, we had a deacon quit, an elder quit. Um, and it was the best thing that ever happened to us. <laughs> it honestly wow. was. Wow, okay. Uh, and we didn't lose a whole lot of people from that or anything other than just that immediate family and kind of their really close ties. Um, but yeah. It was so opened us up because we had been doing ministry for so long with this anxiety and stress and worry of like, oh, no, are we going to make this person mad? Are we going to get chewed out? Is it, you know, what's going to happen? Where once they were gone, it was like, yeah, we don't know what we're going to do, but it's a whole lot better than what we've been doing. Right. That's fair. How are the how are and, and maybe don't answer this question if you're like, man, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> How are those relationships now? Has there been a process of, again, small town? It's like, man, I see him driving mm-hmm. down the road. <laughs> is that is there a restoration in that, or what's the what's the vibe now? Yeah. So from from our point of view and from us, there's no hard feelings on, on any of that because we see it as it worked out for the best, right? And we think it worked out for the best for both sides. Um, now that's not to say that there's not been still hurt feelings or, um, I don't know, bad blood is bad blood sounds really bad, but, but it would not be uncommon for me to see some of those people in a grocery store, uh, at an event, community event, and they walk the other way or they won't speak to me. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll be honest in that, but it's, okay. uh, but yeah, it's not from us not trying or, uh, and it just kind of depends on the people. Um, you know, for our, our senior pastor, they might would be, depending on, they might would be more uh, apt to talk to him and stuff. I was really, I was probably the catalyst for the change. I was the one who was really pushing, pushing, pushing for the change at the time. Okay. So I was probably, I was seen as kind of the instigator probably in all of it. So they may have a little bit more animosity towards me. I got you. That's that's fair. I mean, somebody's got to do it, right? Like somebody yeah, has to so, be. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, we what we can stay where we're at. We can continue doing it like we are. We can stay with um, however many people are coming, or or we can, you know, really make a big change of what we actually think God wants us to do, and what we actually think is going to take to reach more people, and we can take that risk or whatever. And, and you know, some people are going to get mad at us, but. Ultimately, our church grew and grew and grew uh, through that. And so at the end of the day, you look back and you're like, you know what? This really was, you know, I think God's will. And maybe it didn't work out as yeah. as good as it could have or as much as we had liked it to. Um, but ultimately, we did the right thing. Good. So tell me, I, I, as you as you talk, it kind of led to... Okay, how do I want, how do I want to form this next question, which is like, what do we do next? As we said, like temperature of the culture, current state of the church. Now, what do we do? You mentioned in that process, like we had to shift our complete focus from okay, who's inside to now who's outside, and it went down to the details of mm-hmm. how do we wear this? Uh, you know, what kind of music are we doing? What kind of topics are we talking about? And how we're shifting gears to actually do that. 
what do we do now as, as you've looked at it and said, Hey, like people are disengaging, they're apathetic. There's not value here. And at the same time, there's an awakening inside the church that says like, we have to change in order to survive and then do what God told us to do. As you look at all that, as you look at how you guys shifted gears to go, here's how we now focus on these people. If you were going to go, Hey, if you're sitting down with a church that you've like, you know, nothing about other than, Hey, Travis, we need some help. Like mm-hmm. we're not reaching anybody outside the doors. Mm-hmm. If you're going to go, here are the three things you need to start with. How do you answer that question? Yeah, I think, okay. Um, I think basically what we talked about is serving our guests. Right. So how can we serve our guests better? And, and so do a first impression standpoint and, and how can we do that? Well, Kids ministry, how can we do kids ministry well? Uh, for most churches, they want to reach young families. Uh, they struggle to reach young families. One of the reasons is because they don't have a good kids ministry or that they don't have a kids ministry at all. And so, like, how can we get a kids ministry in place that's doing excellent work that kids love to be a part of? And they're still learning about Jesus as a part of that as well. Um, so those two areas. And then I think um, just how do we get people engaged? And so how can we get um, people not just to show up to church, but how can we get them involved? And so how can we get them involved uh, on a serving team or within a small group ministry? Um, how can we basically cultivate relationships within our church uh, that's helping people grow closer to each other, but also helping them grow closer to God? And so I think if you can do those three things well, uh, I think you have a really good chance at, at reaching people. What do you think is the best thing you can do to get somebody to walk in the door? Yeah, personal. I think personal invite. That's why everybody comes. Yeah. Um, now we can, and we have, like we can do things that are attractional. Uh, we can do those series that are going to get people's attention and things like that. Uh, but at the end of the day, almost everybody comes because somebody invited them that they know. Um, and so we have to have our people inviting people to church. And I think sometimes people don't want to invite people to church because they're embarrassed about their church yeah. and, and they're worried about that experience. And, and generally you only get kind of one chance um, to get that friend to church or whatever, and you don't want to blow it. <laughs> exactly. <you know? laughs> and so if you know, Hey, there's a chance and, and we were there, we did this. There's a chance that uh, so-and-so is going to get up and sing and it's going to be terrible or somebody's going to, uh, do a prayer request, but it's going to turn into a gossip session or, you know, if those things are going to happen, you're going to be reluctant to invite people that you love because you're like, Hey, if they come and see that, um, they may not come back. Uh, I, I agree a hundred percent. I'm, I'm going to throw an idea at you and I just want you to tell me like, I I want you to go, you're an idiot or (laughs) no, I think that's legit. Yeah. So I, the church that I go to and serve at, I'm not on staff, uh, but go to, and I've been serving there for, we've been there for almost a year now. And I, like I'll nutshell real quick, I stepped yes. out of professional ministry about five years ago, came back uh, to the area that, that my wife and I are from. Uh, we, we live in a town called Grapevine, and it mm-hmm. literally took us four years to find like, okay, that's going to be home for us. Um, it, it just took a really long time. Well, we finally landed and we're like, okay, we're engaged. So I'm in a meeting two months ago and they're talking, they're doing a focus group and they're talking about a name change of the church mm-hmm. and the church has been around for 30 years. There's a stigma to the name. Um, 
it's a small church that's got a it's got two different backstories. And so like as I started going and inviting people, there were a lot of people that I was like, Hey, come to church with me and they're like, Where do you go? And I tell them and they're like, Oh yeah, man, I used to go there when I was like a kid and it's just kind of weird and um so we're in that discussion and everybody in the room's fairly new, uh like within the last year, and nobody came because of the name. Um, and everybody had kind of a different viewpoint. And as we're talking about like the name, here's 10 different ideas we have, here's what drives behind it and all this kind of stuff. And, and as I'm listening, I kind of had, I just had this thought and I was like, hold on a second. What if we stop the name conversation just for a moment and, uh, and let's shift gears and go, let's, let's get the 10 people who are at the table in a name conversation and let's tell them like, rather than talking about name ideas, I want you to take the next month and each one of you has to invite a hundred people to church, which that's 25 a week. Like mm-hmm. that's, it's like, that's absurd. Like, yeah. I, do I even know that many people? Um, and, and like, as I'm, as I'm having this thought and as I, I'm kind of unfolding it and sharing it at the same time, I'm thinking about like how I handle social media and like marketing and all those things. It's like, man, if I'm going to make a sale, sometimes I have to knock on a thousand doors. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to get one sale, but yet I have, I knocked on a thousand doors of people to go, Hey, can I sh- either share the gospel with you and, or invite you to worship with me? Mm-hmm. And that sh- which should be convicting. But like, just with that thought, if you look at that and go, do you guys have 10 people that could actually, in again, small town. So scale yeah. that thing for however it would be for y'all. Yeah. Is, is that an absurd thought or is it like, no, maybe there's something in that. I think, I think the evangelism, what you're talking about, I think that it gets more difficult the longer that you've been at church, because because typically, uh, I, in the city it may be different. I think in small towns, you have kind of longer relationships generally, right. and, and so like you've known people for years and years and years, and so if you've been attending the church for several years there's a good chance that you've probably invited at some point or another, most of the people that you know. So the option then is, well, you got to try to get out and know more people who aren't going to church, right. which is really difficult in a small town. Um, just from my experience, um, it's like, you know, you go to the bank, I go to the bank each week, I go to the post office, I go to maybe the grocery store and stuff. And the majority of people either uh, I've invited to church they already have a home church. Um, and so I run into all that stuff all the time. Um, so that can be discouraging. So like I couldn't, I couldn't think of 10 people I could invite other than like in, in a personal way, in a one-on-one way. Now right. through social media, you know, that opens it all up, but does that count the same <laughs> if you're sharing a post or if you're even sending a Facebook message and saying, Hey, well, I'd love to do invite you to church this week. Right. Um, then it gets easier, but I don't know if that has the same power as an actual one-on-one conversation. I think our our issue is newer people to our church are the people who invite people. Um, newly connected, um, those are the people who are always bringing new people. The people who have been here for years, um, much harder for them right. to yes to come because they just they don't know any more people to invite. I hear you. No, that that uh. <laughs> that's funny when you're like, bro, I don't know if I can think of 10 people <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because of which I like because of where I live and just the, the way life is for us. Like I'm around, 
I'm around different people all the time as far as like networking and uh, the, the different jobs that I do puts me in a position and I'm in the Metroplex. So it's like I've got from Fort Worth to Dallas that yeah. I can exist in and have those conversations. Now, is somebody going to drive 45 minutes from Plano to Grapevine? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's like I I could, because of where I live, I could feasibly get around 100 people and, and, and like you said, it's not like a, it's not a post. It's not a, Hey, I'm just going to kind of mass do this, but like, I'm going to look you in the eye and say, Hey, I'd love for you to come to church with me. Yeah. Um, and, and then go, you know what? I've asked you before, but I'm going to ask you again. And right. yeah, you did come one time, but you didn't come back. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you again. And, uh, but I, I love the fact that you were like, best thing you can do is invite them personally I think it's like the stats, like 71% of people say that they would attend if they had a personal invite. Yeah, I see, I see stats like that. I, around Easter, you'll see the stat that says like 82% or somewhere around right. 80, some low eighties. I, I don't like that statistic because I don't know if I believe that statistic, to be right. honest with you. It's totally I, fair. I think pastors <laughs> have put that out there as a way of being like really encouraging. I think they've exaggerated <laughs> that stat. Because um, I try to tell people, like, I've invited people, I've done that. I don't get those statistics. I don't get the 80% to come. Um, and so I think I think we have to be careful throwing stats like that around because um, I think it can be discouraging when people aren't getting that kind of follow-through. I think it may be a better to say, you know what, you're going to have to knock on 100 doors and, and to get one or two people to come. Yeah, because um, I think in my experience, I, I think it's more like that. That's that's fair. But which, which brings up the other statement. It's like, what is it like? Ninety five percent percent of stats are all made up. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe <laughs> <It's>, that one. <laughs> yeah, what, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, let me let me ask you this, though, as we as we close this thing out. Uh-huh. Uh, best thing is to invite them. Best way to serve the guest once they're in the door how do you guys do that with excellence? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say this. I think if you can have a conversation uh, with a new guest, if you can have a conversation where you get their name and then you remember their name, that's the most important thing. Right. So you can get their name on the front end as they're coming into, as they're coming in and they sit through service. And as a, as they come out, if you're intentional about meeting them on the way out, and you can say their name to them again and say, thank you for being here today, whatever their name is. And then when they come back to the next week or two weeks from now, then if you could still remember their name. Um, remembering someone's name is powerful. Yes. Um, people love hearing their name said. It just There's something about it. And, and it's, there's something about that it, that it shows so much value to them um, if you remember their name. And one of the things that I just told our church the other night, uh, some of our leadership was like, um, one of the things when it comes to like guest services and all these things is that there's expectations that people have when they go to a church. So they they kind of expect certain certain things. Like how can we exceed their expectations? And one of the ways, and it seems very simple, one of the ways that we can exceed their expectations is just by remembering their names. Um, And so I think do that. Uh, that goes a long, long way um, to get them back and to get them to make them to feel valued. I love the intentionality of like what you just said, like you, I want to get in front of them, look them in the eye and say hello, ask them their name and then remember the thing, 
which like that's a simple those are simple detail things which you're right it's huge when i i stopped at a restaurant the other day to get some takeout and there was a new waitress there and we i talked to her for a minute while i was waiting on the food i went back two or three weeks later she was waiting on our table and i was like hey kara this is my wife ryan and she literally is like she she literally stepped back and she goes you remembered my name yeah and just like the immediate like we went from we had a good conversation the first time well i I just deepened the relationship by 10 notches because i walked in the door and i said hey kara how are you and it yeah it what you just said is like it's a minor detail that makes a world of difference because you noticed me, you heard me and you care. Yep. I think that's one of the most powerful things that we can do is remember their names. If you work in kids ministry, if you remember a kid's name, um, man, that's powerful. And it means a lot to parents uh, when you do that. Yeah. Agreed. Travis, man, dude, thanks for taking 40 minutes. Uh, I told you 30 and, and I exceeded, I exceeded that time limit. So Seriously, thank you for for jumping on here and just being like, yeah, man, I don't know you, but would be happy to talk with you. Thanks for sharing, dude, praying that you guys continue to wreck it in your town. And um, and again, thanks for being on with me today. Yeah. Hey, no problem. Uh, I loved it. And thanks so much for the invite. Absolutely. So uh, any anything else you want to wrap up and say? Uh, yeah, I think if you're a small town pastor or maybe you uh, serve in a small town somewhere, um, man, I think there's so much opportunity out there. And so I would encourage you just to get involved in your local church, um, put a little pressure on your pastor if you need to. Um, but the biggest thing is, yeah, just just find a way to help and find a way to serve and find a way to love people. Love it. If you are listening and you are a small town pastor, you can te- check out Travis at Travis Stevens ends with an S dot me. He he does some coaching, so I'm I'm plugging you here, buddy. Uh, nice. Does some personal coaching. He has a blog. Uh, he's got some resources on his website as well. Go check him out. Awesome guy. Great pastor. And uh, again, you said you're not an expert, but I'm going to call you an expert because you've been serving in a small town for more than a decade. Uh, so well done again. Thanks bro for being on and, uh, I'm going to shut this recording off and then you and I can wrap up. All right. Thanks case.